0: Hey there, I'm Matt Walker, the host of the Choir Director Corner podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited you are here. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about a one-of-a-kind online resource for choir directors, and it's called the Choir Director Corner Community Membership. This membership was designed to give you the training, the resources, the support, and the community you need to be successful in your teaching. Inside the membership, you'll find online courses, which will help you polish your current skills, as well as learn some new strategies and techniques, a PDF resource library with over fifty pdfs and google docs that you can use in your daily teaching and workflows monthly collaboration calls where you can ask questions get feedback and collaborate with choir directors just like you and access to our recommended repertoire videos and repertoire lists there's even a private facebook group which gives you another place online to collaborate with other choir directors and ask questions being a Choir Director doesn't have to be a DIY endeavor. It's so much better when it's done together. So head on over to com forward slash membership and join us in the Choir Director Corner Community Membership. Again, that's com forward slash membership. All right, on with today's episode. Hey. And hello my friends, welcome to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker, I'm your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. Super excited to be sharing this episode with you today, all about contemporary acapella. And my good friends all know that I have been a huge fan of Pentatonics forever, all the way back to where they got their start on a little show on NBC called The Sing Off. I absolutely loved that show. I was just geeking out on that show every single night. The sad thing is, you say The Sing Off to you know, like my students now, and they don't even know what what that is. That's that's kind of a sad thing, but. Back in the day, that was one of my favorite shows, and I loved watching and listening to all the different groups, and Pentatonix got their start on that show. Originally, a three-person group, three friends out of high school, and they added a couple more people just for that show, ended up winning that show on that season. And uh, that was kind of how they got their start. Well, little did I know that there was a guy working on that show, just getting his start, working as an assistant on that show named Rob Dietz. And so he was working as an assistant to uh, the legendary Deke Sharon, which if you're familiar at all with the contemporary acapella scene, you know that name. And uh, Rob wanted to work on that show in any way possible and so we started out on Uh, that show as an assistant and worked his way up to arranging and also working as a vocal coach for some of the groups on that show. And fast forward here to just a couple of years ago and I was doing an online conference because of course it was the middle of COVID and everything had to be online and here is Rob Dietz giving a workshop on contemporary acapella. I was so excited. You know, I never, um, gotten the chance to hear Rob speak. Um, you know, I was just kind of familiar with some of his arrangements, but really that was about it. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is such an amazing opportunity. And so I sat there and listened, uh, to his whole presentation and thought to myself, someday I'm going to reach out to Rob and I'm just going to, ask him so many questions. (laughs) Because, you know, back in my previous position, I had started uh, a contemporary a cappella group. There was not that type of uh, ensemble in that program. And of course, you know, I loved pentatonics and all these other groups that I was hearing. And and so uh, we started, we started a group. And I wish I had Rob Dietz, In my life at that point, (laughs) because it would have made my life so much easier and just even that workshop that he gave uh, as a resource, you know, 45 minute workshop, and it just would have been so incredibly helpful. Well, here's the good news, my friends, is that I reached out to Rob and in the middle of his busy schedule, he agreed to talk with me. And so I'm going to be sharing that interview Uh, with you here today. And so we talk about a lot of different things related to contemporary a cappella, but really I approached it from the perspective of a choir director. Say you're someone out there that you've wanted to start a contemporary a cappella ensemble in your program and you just didn't know where to start. You know, how do I get one started? How do I get one up and running? How do I rehearse? How do I find music all of the things. And so, whether you are someone that you just want to start a contemporary a cappella ensemble in your program, or if you already have one and you want to know how to make it better. This interview with Rob is an absolute gold mine. and not only that, but he shares a couple of resources that he has available that will allow you to dive even deeper. So let's get into it, my friends. Here is my conversation with the one and only Rob Dietz. Well, Rob, let's just kind of dive right in here. Uh, why don't yeah, you tell us? Do it. Yeah, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and uh, and what you do. Um. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, hi, my name is Rob Dietz. Um, I am a full time uh, professional a cappella arranger, composer, teacher, and performer. Um. So yeah, I wound up in a really interesting sort of pocket of the music industry with my career that I would have never ever seen coming because. Honestly, when I started out, you know, in high school singing, uh, this career didn't exist. I this this sort of pocket of things was not something that you could have ever imagined having a career in when I was eighteen. Um, but when I was younger, I was a big choral singer. I grew up um, in Ithaca, New York, up in the middle of nowhere. Um, actually went to school in Ithaca also, but before I went to college there, I was singing for many years uh, in a group called the young men's Chorus of Ithaca uh, with Dr. Janet Galvan. Um, and there was another group uh, was, it was the um, young men's chorus. And then there was the trouble chorus and we would combine sometimes. Um, and that was a huge part of my sort of choral singing growing up was, was being in that community chorus. Um, and then of course, I also sang in, in middle school and high school and, and did all that stuff, but I was like a really big choral nerd. But at the same time, I really loved pop music. I really loved, you know, pop singing and grew up with like my my two favorites are Billy Joel and James Taylor, like my my, love it. Yeah, like absolute, absolute favorites. But um, you know, I I grew up loving, you know, all kinds of pop music. And I sort of always had this desire to find a way to kind of combine the choral thing that I was doing with the pop thing that I was doing. Um, and then when I was in middle school, I walked into my choir teachers. Uh, room one day, and he had a group playing on the speakers called Sons of Pitches. It was these five guys who were actually, as it turned out, were graduates of the same acapella group that I wound up singing in in college called Ithacapella. Um, Didn't know that at the time, but I um, heard that group, totally fell in love with that sound. Um, It just sort of like Boom! You know, kicked open the the door of my mind, and I was like, "This is amazing! I gotta, I I, I gotta do this." So, um, I founded my first acapella group with. Uh, at the time, it was three other guys. It ultimately, we became five five guys total. So, four other guys uh, in high school, and I sang with this group all through high school called Ascending Height. It was five of us, and. I sort of I was had an interesting journey because I came up around the time that sort of home recording was becoming possible. Um, I went to school, I graduated high school in 2000, I'm going to really date myself here, but I graduated high school in 2006. So early, kind of early mid 2000s was when I was coming up in, in that time. Um, and there was this huge expansion of home recording technology that really impacted acapella specifically. Um, and so I had this really amazing opportunity uh, to sort of harness a lot of that technology that also kind of the the internet you know um, at the time it was like message boards and stuff but you know facebook and and all these different internet things were bringing communities together and acapella was a was a huge part of that as well um, so I was sort of learning about all of these like home recording things and all of these like cool acapella things that were happening and all of a sudden I was connected to this big world of of contemporary acapella. Which fit really perfectly in with this choral thing that I also loved. Um, so I, you know, I was meeting all these people and, and doing all these things. Um, I started recording albums with my high school group. Um, did a lot of stuff that I was really proud of. Then taught me a lot about um, how to, you know, record music and and do all these cool things with my voice. Um, started beatboxing. Um, became a really avid vocal percussionist and beatboxer. Um, and then took all of that stuff and went to college. I also went to Ithaca College and uh, majored in I was was. a bachelor in music with an outside field in business, um, which is basically like less than a dual major, but more than a minor. I just tell people that I dual majored because it sounds impressive. Um, (laughs) I took, I basically took like a handful of business Classes while I was majoring in, in voice, essentially. But really, if I'm being honest, I majored in acapella because I directed uh, my group Ithacapella there, um, and I was just really, really involved in the in the acapella scene, and um, started to slowly, you know, as I became aware of like other groups that were out there, I started going to acapella con- conventions and conferences, and um, slowly started to arrange for other groups. I had just been mostly arranging out of necessity for my own groups up till that point, so. I was finding about these other groups and um, meeting groups at some of these other schools and starting to arrange for them. And um, so I was just sort of like very slowly winding up in this weird career spot that wouldn't have been possible. You know, that there the weren't enough acapella groups. There were like, you know, a small handful of people who were arranging acapella professionally when I was coming up. And. Um, and then, so basically what happened is, you know, we get to the, the late, you know, early, late 2000, early 2010 situation. Um, I'm graduating from college. I actually went from Ithaca to, I spent a little bit of time studying at the Australian Institute of Music in Sydney, Australia, um, which was basically just an excuse to get as far away from Ithaca as possible because I had spent <laughs> my entire life in a very, very small town and I love Ithaca, but it was time for me to just go somewhere else so i looked at a globe and i said how far can i go before i start coming back and then (laughs) landed in sydney australia i said great i'm gonna go find some music to do there um i did a really short stint at the australian institute of music um doing a graduate what they call the graduate certificate in composition and production um and then from there while that was all happening um the sing-off started to become a thing that was that was coming up um so i um To rewind the story a little bit, when I was about 15, 16, uh, I started uh, first taking lessons from and then working with Deke Sharon, um, who a lot of people probably recognize the name from a lot of arrangements. And he was the producer on the sing-off and went on to produce Pitch Perfect and uh, music produced Pitch Perfect and a lot of stuff. So um, I kept in touch with him. We had done a lot of work over the years and he became the music producer for the sing-off. And I was in Australia. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. At that time, I was thinking like, I don't know, maybe I'll be like a, a, an agent or a manager. I, don't know. I was thinking I was going to work in the business of music because I had no idea what I was talking about and, and, hadn't, and hadn't accepted that I was really a creative person yet and was you know, not guaranteed to make money. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I was definitely not not setting myself up for a stable career path at the time, but um, I saw that that opportunity. I saw that the, the Sing Off was coming back for at that time was a third season, and I messaged Deke. I said, "Listen." I want to be part of this show. This is the coolest thing ever. I I will make coffee. I'll make copies. Whatever you need. I didn't know how to make coffee at the time. I said I'll learn how to make coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. I'll learn how to make coffee. I'll come to Los Angeles and I'll I'll make you coffee. I'll make you copies. Whatever you need. And he said, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to give you a shot. I want to want to get you on the team." So, um got that job working on the sing-off. Um, started as an assistant. Worked up to a vocal coach and arranger, um, and then from there I wound up doing some work on Glee, uh, where I did some vocal percussion and editing for for Glee. Um, and I just decided to stay in Los Angeles because I had grown up in Ithaca, New York, and I was sick of winter, and I had a lot of friends here. And I said, mm. I'm just gonna stay here, and I'm just gonna <laughs> gonna see what happens. So, um, ever since then, I've been, yeah, full time arranger. You know, a cappella arranger. That's kind of my like day to day. I mostly arrange a cappella, um, but I also in recent years, I've been really excited about um, bring getting kind of back to my choral roots and um, kind of writing pieces that combine the contemporary acapella sound with more traditional choral writing. I'm trying to write things, I like to say, I'm trying to write things that pentatonics when they were in high school would have liked to sing, I, I uh, hope. Yeah. Um, so trying to sort of come to, to make that sound um, and yeah, then just, you know, doing a lot of uh, coaching and teaching and I've sort of uh, Frankensteined myself this crazy career of all these different, you know, aspects of the vocal music industry. And, um, I really love it and I'm so happy to be, to be doing what I'm doing. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting journey.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know, you've got a a lot of irons in the fire, that's for sure. And, you know, what you said early on where, you know, there really hasn't been, you know, a, a career Uh, path like yours you know before you know our generation certainly so you know when you were growing up like you said you couldn't probably imagine doing what you're doing but but you know you also majored in performance in college so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you must have known that in some way that music was was going to be a career for you but you had to do a lot more exploration and use uh, you know Uh, a lot more creativity, I think, maybe to carve out your path than the traditional, you know, classical singer, for instance, or just yeah. someone who's, who's going to, you know, get their teacher teaching certification.
1: Yeah, it was a lot more of, of creating a whole out of the pieces, right, of, of creating, you know, something that was sustainable out of a lot of different things. And I think that that's actually a lot of um, something that I think a lot of people are experiencing in sort of the the internet, you know, social media economy of music now is that nobody does, ju- I mean, not nobody, but very few people do just one thing you know, even if, even if you're a teacher, you're probably doing something else. You know what I mean? Even if you're directing something outside of school or you have a side business in composing or publishing or something, you know what I mean? There's, there's something else. So um, I think, you know, the career path of music as that I've seen, as I've Kind of gone through it is just become much more diversified and really rewards having a a varied skill set. So I'm really I feel really fortunate to have been part of that kind of groundswell of acapella and kind of gotten to ride that wave of acapella more into the the public consciousness. But I think that this thing of a career being not just one thing, but a real an amalgam of different things is really uh, not becoming less and less unique and more just sort of part of the musical experience of being a professional musician.
0: Yeah. And you just kind of have to be willing to, you know, think a little bit more outside of the box as far as, you know, um, being able to use your, your creativity and, you know, just really creating art. And it's just, so wonderful that you have uh, been able to put all of those different talents together uh, into uh, what is a, a terrific career you've got you got a lot going on that is that is thought? for sure that Who is for sure thought? I'll tell you it's yeah
1: i really i mean it's it's i i can't i can't understate how much i didn't think i was going to be doing this mm. <laughs> really it was not cuz it it just wasn't it wasn't something that was conceivable when i was in high school and people say you know what do you want to do i'd be like well i love music but you know i i don't you know the idea that you could make a, a a sustainable career for yourself out of arranging for acapella groups you know when i was in high school there were there were you know maybe a third of the number of acapella groups that there are today there just wasn't a market for it and you know the fact that that market i feel again so fortunate to have been part of being able to grow that market Um, but you know, now that that market exists, you can really, there's so many possibilities and so many options. So yeah, you know, just never, never saw it coming.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think I first came along your work. It was probably the sing off. Like when that show was on, Uh I was obsessed. With that show, and so you know, I think um, I think that's where I first ran into you, and then uh, at a previous position, I actually started a contemporary acapella group, and so then you know, as I was starting to try and search for for repertoire, um, I think I, I came across uh, you that way as well, and and then. Uh, you know, for people that are on Twitter, if you don't follow Rob, like you, <laughs> you have some of the funniest posts on there, and so Thank you. you're obviously still doing a fair amount of singing because um a lot of them uh are like hashtag bass problems like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, totally. No, I mean, the, the choir, the choir nerd in me is still very much going strong and yeah, I do actually, I sing in a, in a choir out here called the LA Choral Lab also. Um, but of course with COVID, you know, things are, are kind of, you know, up and down and stop and go. So, you know, the, the future of, of what that looks like is, is always a little uncertain, but, um, but no, I still love, I still love singing in choir and, and I still, and I love directing too. I, I, I've really, um, been fortunate to get to do a lot more directing, um, usually in a, you know, clinician capacity these days. Um, but I do have uh, my summer camp acapella academy that I run where I get to run the choir there with my my co-director, Ben Bram. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just get called in a lot to do workshops with, with different choirs. So I, um, one of my favorite things that I did in undergrad was conducting classes. I just think that the skill of conducting, whether you are a professional conductor or not, I think that the ability to communicate with an ensemble non-verbally and to know how to lead and how to run a rehearsal is just so key. Um, and I just really, I'm just, I'm a real like choral rehearsal nerd. I just love like the, the craft of, of teaching and running a rehearsal. Um, so that's been a big part of, you know, what I've kind of tried to get into more of also. And hopefully there'll be some more of that in my future. I'm working on some things now. We'll see how things pan out, but, um, yeah, just uh, really really into that whole side of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you talked about the academy uh, as well. We'll get to that in a little bit because I want yeah, sure. I want to hear a little bit more about that, but um, speaking of COVID, I think it was spring of 2021. I think it was. I think if I have my my calendar right. Um, the National ACDA conference where it was all online, and yes. um, you had a presentation on there. And I was actually watching that presentation. Um, oh, cool! And yeah, it was a thanks, terrific. Thanks for
1: virtually. Thanks for virtually being there.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, Rob's going to be on this. I got to check this out. And it was all about. You know, just sort of how does one create, uh how does one manage, you know, sort of a, a contemporary a cappella program. And I think this is something where the choir directors that I talk to, I talk to a lot of directors where they've always kind of dreamed of doing something mm. like that, but for whatever reasons, whatever obstacles, um they haven't quite taken uh the plunge and as i mentioned my my previous program it was something that uh i started and it was such a wonderful uh addition to everything else that uh we offered in that program so uh, so i want to talk a little bit about that and let's kind of start with you know for choir directors that don't have uh, a contemporary a cappella ensemble talk about some of the positives um that can come with giving young singers the opportunity to sort of explore uh this genre and how does that um how does that contemporary acapella kind of fit in with the the quote unquote you know i use air quotes the typical choir program because you've come for, for sure. that that background too yeah and so absolutely. how does all of that kind of fit together
1: Yeah, I mean, I I love that question because, you know, as you were saying, so that class that you that you went to for ACDA Digital was really a, a huge part of what I'm trying to do right now, which is kind of demystify the acapella experience for music, music. I mean, really everybody, but music educators and particularly choral educators, because my experience in high school, you know. Before the wave of the sing-off and before you know acapella became a little bit more officially recognized the way that it is now And there are teachers like you who had have those programs that are really kind of making it a little bit more official um, There was a real wall between those two things and there was this real idea of you know Well, you're gonna you can do coral you can do some acapella, but you know, it's it's a very different thing And you know, uh, maybe you know, don't do it too much because it hurt your voice and you know, there's there was that sort of thing and um, so you know the the way well for okay so the benefits of it right so the, the question of you know why, why why do you want to do it um, there are so so many I mean my whole life has been sort of defined by by this and and made better by this in so many ways but um, I think the big pitch that people always make for for people choir educators and I, I almost hesitate to make it now because I think we've heard it a lot but just in case you haven't heard it um, it's a gateway drug it'll get you. It'll get kids in your program right um, it is you know it is for sure that that way to get people in the door um, who might not what I really like about it is you know it's yes it's this idea of well you're going to sing music that's you know more quote unquote relevant to you know young singers it's the things that they're hopefully listening to on the radio you know you're singing pop music you're singing you know the music of, of now if you will Um, what I really like about that you know aside from also just being a really great means of expression Is that you can get people into your program who might not have self-identified as you know quote unquote choral singers right you can get people in who are singers who just sort of self-identify as a different type of singer but you can get them into a program where you're able to teach them so many great musical skills through this different type of singing um, in a way that is really exciting to me and i think really opens opens up you know, choral singing and group singing to even more people than it might have otherwise been accessible to. So I'm always really excited about that, but, um, you know so yeah it's the gateway drug it gets people in it gets people more and more involved in choir I also really like to say because I think that that's really been that's been the thing that we've all kind of trumpeted for a while of okay it's the gateway drug you're going to get people excited I'm also a big proponent of hey it's also going to make you a better singer and a better musician and I think that you know what I was saying before about when I was growing up this idea of oh you know pop singing is going to hurt your voice and you know it's going to be it's going to be hard and you're going to it is hard I won't lie about that it's definitely hard to do it well. Um, but, you know, the process for me, I can speak from my own experience of, you know, growing up and having sort of the Western classical training and then need, having to learn from that to do pop singing in a way that was healthy and sustainable and more authentic taught me so much about how my voice works um, and really opened up just a range of timbre and tone and skill for me that is applicable not just to pop music but to all different genres including choral music. So I make the argument that not only does a cappella contemporary singing pop singing get people in the door, it also trains people to be really strong musicians, really versatile musicians, and ultimately really marketable musicians because you're going to you're going to leave those programs with skills that are applicable to a wide range we're talking about you know how careers are made of all these different pockets now right if you come out of a program and you are a great choral singer but you also know how to sing in all these different you know contemporary styles and maybe you have some familiarity with microphone technique and you have some familiarity with how to mix and how to record and all of these things that are really standard in contemporary acapella, um, you're gonna have such a base of skills that you can pull from. So um, th- I think it's great to get people in the program, but I also think it's great to use that to train musicians that have great skill sets that also, by the way, have to work together and really have to kind of squash your ego down to make it work because it's tough to be in an acapella group if you got a big ego. You know, If you're in a group of, 12 16 people and somebody's trying to hog the spotlight and you're gonna get that beat out of you pretty fast so um it's a it's a good environment to to pick up all those skills so those are those are a few of the reasons i love it
0: yeah and absolutely and that was something that i found too is that the collaboration like that's always a part of every ensemble but when there's only 12 to 16 singers and you know yeah. and, and everybody's got a mic and uh you know everybody is is sort of working together it's it's, it's very true if you've got one when well, it only takes one that one person that sort of steps out of line a little bit it it has an effect on on the whole ensemble on the whole thing absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. But like you said, the the versatility and and in this day and age, the marketability, Mm -hmm. because, you know, like you said, it's it's those pockets where, yeah, maybe you want to go and be uh, a classical singer, uh, but. Guess what? Jobs are are hard to come by. But if you have that versatility to sing in these other styles, right and, and you have that training where you can do it in a healthy way, um, that's you know, that's gonna maybe be the way that you, you make your living.
1: Yeah. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want that skill set, right? Why wouldn't you wanna be versatile and, and have those options?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you said the the piece about well oh well you shouldn't sing pop music because that can that can hurt your voice you know that was something that's been said for years and you yeah. know i come from it can. The, <laughs> sure right yeah, but a- any genre is like yeah. that. Like I come, I come from the classical background in voice, and I know classical singers that hurt their voice because you know they were uh, singing with unhealthy technique. So Absolutely. it really doesn't matter what genre it is. Uh, the really the emphasis should be: you can sing it healthy, but here here are some of the things that you need to do in order to be doing it in a healthy way. Right. Right,
1: and you know, and and finding that balance, and, and understanding that it's a different approach too. I mean, this is a whole. I could do a whole separate episode, probably on you know pop technique and <laughs> and and stuff like that. I'm I'm very uh, passionate about you know the research that's that's been going on you know in in recent years about you know the science of singing and, and and you know voice science and stuff like that, and and applying that to pop singing and the ways that that's kind of opened up new frames of thinking about you know how to do healthy belt stuff. How to do you know healthy mixing and you know using those sort of extended vocal technique vocal fry crying all that stuff um i think that's a huge part of what's allowing uh what's allowing pop a cappella and contemporary music to move forward in those kind of choral circles is that expansion of the of the scientific knowledge and being able to kind of bridge that gap uh, in, a, in, a, in an academic sense of, you know, what's the difference between the choral thing and the pop thing? Well, it's the shape of the vocal tract, it's the foreman, it's the overtone, it's, you know, being able to talk the, that language about that stuff, I think has been really helpful in, in kind of crossing that divide. So um, I find that stuff really interesting. I'm not I've, I'm not a, a great mathematician or a scientist, but that's one area where I'm like, oh, cool. You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't, I'm not a history buff, but I like Hamilton. You know, it's like, it, it, whatever it, it speaks to you, it speaks to you, right? And I'm like, oh, cool, science. I can't do any other science, but this science is great.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and I just made a note. So uh, we're going to have to collaborate then on a separate episode, and that's going to be all about pop technique and how to do it in a healthy sure. way. Sure, and so, we should,
1: there's a lot of other people we could get involved in that, too, that are that are really at the forefront of that development. But, yeah, yeah. it's really exciting
0: stuff. Yeah. So that's a great idea. So I already made my note. So there Perfect. you go. Perfect. Awesome. So, with choir directors say they want to um, they want to start this in your program. What yeah. suggestions or advice would you have for them as far as getting started, con- uh, creating a contemporary acapella ensemble?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I would say, and this is actually advice that I that I when I asked my friend, I don't know if you know, um, Dr. J. D. Frizell uh, is the mm, conductor, yeah, yeah in um, uh, Briarcrest um, Christian School in Memphis, uh, very good friend of mine. And I've worked with his group, One Voice, for many years. And mm-hmm. um, I wrote a book recently that I interviewed him for, and I asked him a similar question. Um, and his answer was, which would be my answer as well, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. right? There's There are so many resources out there um, they can give you a good place to start. Um, one of them is a book that I just wrote called Acapella One Hundred and One: A Beginner's Guide to Contemporary Acapella Singing, which I think we'll we'll probably talk about a little bit more in a minute. Yep. Um, but there are I just wrote that resource that's really helpful. Um, there are a lot of other uh, books that are out there. Deek Sharon has written several books uh, about acapella that are helpful if you if you're into the the reading thing. Um, you can check it check out his work. Um, but also just you know the online communities. There's um, The Contemporary Acapella Society of America, CASA.org, and then the Acapella Now Facebook group, if you like to hang out on on Facebook, um, are good places to just um, connect with people and and learn about the resources that are out there. Um, There's a ton of festivals that happen regionally um, and nationally. There's the National Acapella Convention um, that just moved to Orlando uh, last year, had our first in-person experience down there that was great. So there's a lot of um, places you can go, things you can read, people you can talk to that will give you a lot of resources so you don't have to make it all up as you go along. Um, and a lot of these people are very, very open. And I'm, I hopefully include myself in that. You know, sometimes it takes me, I, I respond to emails either immediately or many, many days later. <laughs> those are my two modes of email response. Um, but I do try to respond to everything. I really do enjoy helping people uh, find those resources. But um you know, so so reaching out to people and, and making sure that uh, that you're learning about the best practices and and finding out all this stuff, so you don't have to go it alone, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, what are some of those best practices? Like, I'll, I'll see if I can give like a little bit of a snapshot of that, because. Um, you know again this could be a whole this could be a whole podcast in itself um (laughs) not just an episode it could be a whole entire podcast and actually i i had a podcast for a little while uh with deke called counterpoint um there's a few episodes if anybody wants to check that out um we haven't done that in a few years because of covid but uh there's a lot of resources in there as well but um best practices um a few things. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it kind of breaks down to where you're at in the process. Um, let's talk about like somebody who's just starting a group, right? If we've got, if we have somebody who's coming in, choral music educator has a choir, n- you know, no contemporary a cappella group, but you know, where do we, where do we go from having a regular, regular choral program into that? Um, one great thing you can do is start to incorporate contemporary a cappella repertoire into the choral. Into the choral setting right um some things to think about if you're doing that um there are uh there are challenges with if you want to take a contemporary acapella arrangement you want to do it with a group of 60 70 singers right um not every arrangement is going to work right so if you're thinking about okay i want to bring in contemporary acapella to my choir what's going to set them up for success you know how do i introduce this without you know in having elements that aren't going to be as successful um remember that contemporary acapella arrangements for the most part are written for smaller ensembles so there's a lot of Typically there's a lot of sort of vocal dexterity that's written into those things. Um, And there may be some situations where things are written in more extreme ranges because you wrote it for a specific singer rather than a section of singers, right? Um, A lot of the time in contemporary acapella, you're going to have a single bass singer. You're going to have one person singing bass instead of a section of basses. So you want to make sure that whatever arrangement you're selecting, uh, has a bass line that's pretty executable, can be executed by uh, several basses together. Um, so for example, you know, if there's a bass part in a contemporary chart that's like, <laughs> like something like that, you're not going to get 20 basses to sing that clean together you know what i mean so right right um so looking for charts that you know have uh parts that that are well written for for groups of singers um again sort of you know so things to keep in mind right so not a whole lot of like you know jumpy stuff you know things things that um you know are going to stay Uh, You know, relatively sort of blendable, you know, range and register things like that. Um, Things that aren't super, you know, melismatic riff based, like you don't want parts that are whoa, you know, crazy runs that you have to have (laughs) suddenly 20 people or have to execute this run together, that's not going to work. so, you know, looking for things like that where it's going to be successful in, in a larger group. Um, also thinking about, you know, the vocal percussion, right? You know, do you have a vocal percussionist in your ensemble? Um, you know, do you have somebody that, that, can, that can do that beatboxing thing? Are you going to be able to amplify them in a way that's going to make it sound good, right? Because, you know, a single beatboxer performing alone on stage is very different than you know, somebody that's on mic doing the thing. Right. Um, so either, you know, making sure you can amplify that correctly or choosing charts that either don't require it or that can be, uh, where vocal percussion can be substituted out for body percussion or some other percussive element, um, that makes sense f- for that chart. Um, so actually in my book, I have a little, I have a section that I have some recommendations of, um, charts that work well for larger choirs. Um, and then there's another uh, book that I actually don't remember the exact name of that book, but it's a a book that came out recently um, from Gia Publications that uh, JD was also involved in writing. That's a, a repertoire um, a repertoire guide for acapella stuff. Um, and there's some more information in there as well. I think about uh, pieces that are that work well for larger ensembles and um, when you're doing pieces, you know, things pedagogically to keep in mind and to, to set things up for success. So, um, so that's sort of one avenue. Does that make, does that, that all make sense? That's sort of a lot of information about, yeah. sort of the, like bringing contemporary acapella into the choral setting thing yeah. um, and some things to keep in mind for that. Um, it's a, it's a lot, but I think it's, a, it's important stuff to keep in mind so that you're not, um you're not doing things inauthentically right that you're not you're not doing music in a way that where it's like oh that's cool but it doesn't really sound the way it's supposed to sound it's like well you got to choose arrangements that are going to be successful for that type of ensemble that have that sort of sound
0: yeah no that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense um and so you know and that's like you said that's a great sort of lead-in uh, to maybe creating then that separate ensemble, giving them right. a taste a taste of that style and sort of trying it out. And so taking that next step then, say, okay, well, we've done that. They're super excited uh, about the possibility of this. Now I'm going to put this ensemble together so you're you know dealing with anywhere from 12 to 16 singers and hopefully like you said there's one person that's uh that can uh beatbox that's doing vocal percussion what are some of the things that maybe a choir director that has never sort of worked in this genre with this type of uh ensemble what are some of the things um that might pop up that might not be um uh, that they might not be used to in that traditional mm. choral ensemble.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, selecting singers who are, you know, ha- have, have an understanding of that pop approach, right? Well, you know, whatever, whatever. And, and I say sort of pop as a kind of an umbrella, I really probably should say contemporary because it's, you know, not all acapella groups are pop necessarily. You know, there, there are different, you know, R&B and gospel and folk and country, and there's all these sort of like sub, sub categories, sure. but um, you know, selecting singers for that ensemble, if you're auditioning, um, who, you know, have have a little bit of a knack for it, have an understanding of it. Um, Something that can be really helpful, you know, if you're developing a program in the longer term, you know, a lot of groups, I think a lot of directors will tell you that um, you know, having a JV group and a varsity group can be really, really helpful in terms of, you know, okay, the JV group is the 20 plus person group, you know, that's the group where you're going to get them in freshman year, train them up, you know, get get a little bit more of experience with that. And then, you know, when they're ready to kind of take the next step, they move into the more advanced group and then they can, you know, Maybe it's a little bit of a smaller ensemble. There's a little bit more personal responsibility in the parts. There's more understanding of of the pop technique, and um, that can be a really a really good way to kind of structure a program um, so that people are set up for success in that way. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that a, a lot of it a lot of it is stuff that um, will probably feel obvious, and you're going to be like. Oh, like that seems too easy. Why, you know, I, I this, oh, I don't know. Like, is that is that right? It doesn't seem like I should, you know, that that should be easy. No, it is. Like, the stuff, same thing you would think about with any small ensemble, right? Just you know, someone that can carry parts with confidence, right? Um, you know, somebody that um, you know, is gonna d- d- commit to the to the commitment of whatever that group is, right? Um, actually, so I have a whole chapter about this in my book, and one of the things that I talk about is goal setting, right, and making sure that um, your group has First, a vision statement, and then a mission statement. Right. So, you when you're looking for people that you have sort of an idea of. You know, generally, okay. What What is What do we want this experience to be? Is this something that's going to be fun? Is this something that's going to be competitive? Is this something that's going to be a lot of music? Is this something that's going to be a little bit of music? Is this something that's um, Is this something that's uh, faculty directed? Is this something that's student directed? You know, thinking about what that experience looks like, and then being able to advertise that experience to the potential singer so that when they come in, they know what they're getting into and they know that they're going to be what, what they're going to be committing to uh, or not committing to as, as it may be. So, um, you know, making sure that you have that. And then once you have all the people in the door and you have, you know, the, the people you selected, then you can revisit that vision and say, OK, now that we have these people, What do, you know, what do we want to accomplish? You know, we've, maybe we've rehearsed a few times. We've got a better sense of what our sound is. You know, what, you know, do we want to compete this year? Do we want to, you know, do a lot of community concerts this year? Do we want to just maybe chill out this year and have fun with each other and just kind of like build a little bit more of a community that, you know, there's these things to think about. So, um, but making sure that whoever you take, you know, I think one thing that I I always try to impress upon people is that, you know, you You don't always have to take the quote unquote the best singers, right? Because sometimes the best singers, meaning maybe the people that have the most impressive voices or the most musicality or whatever it is, are not the right fit for that particular group at that particular time. And I've, I had a group, I still direct, but I've directed for many years a group called legacy in LA. That's a community group. And I've had some, Amazingly talented people audition for that group who I didn't accept because they just weren't the right fit for that iteration of the group that year. Um, and some of them have gone on to get into the group in the future. But you know, I think being able to distinguish between you know somebody who is really massively talented and somebody whose talent is the right fit for this thing you want to do, whether that's a genre consideration. Do they have the right type of voice for this thing? Whether that's a time commitment consideration, are they going to be able to make the commitment that you are asking of them? Um, Whatever those things are finding somebody that's going to be the right fit is so key. And it's not always like the person that you automatically feel is like, Oh, the best person. Sometimes it's somebody, it's a combination of other factors that you got to think about. So, uh, those are some things that I, I always tell people to kind of think about when you're putting together a, a group and just starting out from, from scratch.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. And that's a lot, a lot like a lot of other types of ensembles, right? A lot of what yeah. you're talking about, but sometimes you just have to think about it in a slightly different way. And I think because it is a smaller ensemble and everyone has to be um, a little bit more independent on their own part than maybe you would expect in a, a traditional you know, 60 or 80 member um, choral ensemble, that sort of amplifies the need, the ability to be able to work together, you know, both vocally and just personality wise too. being able to, to collaborate with other people. You
1: can have the best, you got the best singer in the world. And if they don't show up to rehearsal, it's not going to work. You know, if they show up to rehearsal, they have bad attitude. It's not going to work. You know, it's not, it's not just the talent. It's the whole person and thinking about the experience and the culture of the group. Um, so that's a big thing. One other thing I was just thinking is you were saying that that I, I wanted to speak to also, you had mentioned the, the vocal percussion aspect of it before when you're looking for the, you know, the, the percussionist and the bass singer. Yeah, um, right. Something else that I, I always like to talk to people about is, you know, it, you, you don't necessarily, first of all, with regards to basses, you don't necessarily need to have the lowest voice to be the best bass. Because a lot of it, again, is understanding, finding somebody who has the musicality and the experience and the understanding to understand the role of the bass singer in the group, which is different than the role of a bass singer in a choir. Because when you're typically the bass singer in a choir, you are the lowest vocal part. And when you're the bass singer in an cappella group, you are a bass instrument. You are imi- you're imitating the sound of a of a bass instrument in some kind of a pop chart, right? And the approach to that is very different, and the way that you're gonna fit into the sound is very different. So, for example, you know you can have a basso profundo person, you know, doing. Doom 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 You know, really trying to like do that sound, or you're gonna <speaking> You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not a bass, I'm not a bass, but because you know, I have some experience with how to make that sound and I understand kind of where that fits in. I understand how to use the microphone, all of those important things, mm-hmm. I, I you can get by, right? So you know, give me give me a bass. I'll take a bass who's got the the articulation and the groove and the style. Who's bottoms out at a G over a bass that's got a low C, but can't you know can't do any of the style stuff. You know, it's 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 a whole different ball game. Yeah, um, yeah. So so that's one thing to think about. And then with the vocal percussion aspect of it, um, I think that a lot of people you know we see these 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 beatboxers you know doing. <laughs> you know just doing all of these like crazy clicky fast you know wild things and you're like oh my god i need somebody in my group that, that can do that that can that can imitate that and what i tell people is you know it's so much more important for a contemporary acapella group to have somebody that can keep a rhythm even if it's simple sounds just keep a groove in time because that's really your role in that group right and if you have somebody come in they're like doing all this crazy stuff I'd rather have somebody come in and go but that groove is just right in time you know what I yeah. mean and I know I'm going to be able to trust them and they're going to support the ensemble and they're going to have that thing so you know being able to encourage people to whatever their whatever their sounds are right you know even if it's doom cat I'd rather have that in the background than some some crazy thing that, that has no that has no groove to it that has no, that has no rhythm to it, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know don't so so what I say to teachers is you know don't be afraid of you know having to work with somebody who maybe doesn't have the most accurate sounds or the most impressive sounds. Think about you know can I teach this person with whatever they're able to do to groove and be a good ensemble member and find that supportive place? Um, and everything will grow from there. You know, it's beatboxing is muscle memory. It's similar to singing. It's, you know, it's breath support, it's muscle memory, it's conditioning. And if you've got somebody that comes in and can do, it's not a big leap from to to, it's just a little bit more experience and just you know, working, working those muscles. And, and you know, also YouTube exists now and people can go on YouTube and learn how to do all these things. And um, there's a section of my book also about you know, teaching how to do some of these different sounds, but, um, but the sounds are really secondary to the groove and the ensemble focus. I always really try to tell people that so they're not scared about, oh my God, I gotta have the best beatboxer. No, you don't. You gotta have a rhythmically intelligent person that can make some sounds that you can work with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say, yeah, there's all sorts of resources now online that, you know, we didn't have even 10, 15 years ago where they can go online and learn all of that. But I had the same experience with that with the bass singer and then the percussionist, it was more about I needed someone who was going to be consistent. You know, without that bass, you want someone who, you know, rhythmically is going to be accurate and the intonation piece of it was so important. And then with the percussionist, yeah, it's just keeping it consistent. Like you said, maintaining that groove. It's got to be a consistent tempo. You don't need all that uh, other crazy stuff. Um, It's just having something that's going to be Uh, consistent that the other ensemble ensemble members can, uh, can count on.
1: Yep and it doesn't have to be super subdivided or crazy either I mean like you know is you know that's just as, you know, that's super effective. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you, if you've got somebody that can just do the, the bait, you know, the groove outline that that's really effective. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't,
0: have, doesn't have to be crazy to be. It effective. doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't. Yeah. It really yeah. doesn't. Terrific. Well, we've mentioned your book a number of times. So I want to make sure that I get to that. So it's called Acapella 101. And so talk a little bit about how this book came to be um, and what's in it and kind of who it's geared towards. Totally. Yeah.
1: So I'm really excited about this book. So this is a book. So you mentioned that the class that I taught at ACDA National Online. So some of the folks from How Leonard came to that that uh, class and they were like, Hey, would you be interested in turning this class into a book? So the class was, I call it the choral and acapella bridging the gap. Right. Um, so it was really focused on uh, sort of what I was saying at the, at the beginning of this, you know, demystifying acapella for people who are come from a choral background um, or who are fans of acapella who want to understand a little bit more about kind of what goes on behind the curtain. So, um, so the book is a resource. I, I think, you know, the, at its heart, it's for people who come from, you know, a non-pop background who want to teach pop acapella. Um, and it's sort of guiding, you know, guiding some of those tools and for success in, in that area. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of different things in it. Um, there's, you know, stuff about starting a group. There's stuff about arranging. Um, there's a big focus for me on um, arranging things. Cause I think this is something that, that people really struggle with is, you know, arranging things that sound, you um, complex and full and interesting and authentic, um, but are also very singable and are also very learnable and, you know, really prioritizing um, the learning experience and the, you know, the experience of the ensemble in rehearsal, um, you know, and, and and having success with that, that builds the confidence. So um, there's a lot in the book about sort of designing arrangements to, to be that thing um, for groups and the techniques that you can use um, to make things sound, complicated and complex without being difficult to learn. Um, there's stuff on pop vocal technique. There's stuff on vocal bass singing and vocal percussion. There's a whole chapter on teaching vocal percussion and all the different sounds and um, a little bit more on sort of my methodology and my, my ethos behind teaching that. Um, and then there's a uh, chapter on live and studio sound, so talking about um, how to run sound for your group and how to record in the studio. There's a little bit of just getting into that, um, which is super helpful. Um, and was super helpful for me when i was in in, in groups coming up uh this chapter on choreography um because that's a big part of it too the visual um i think that's something that a lot of people you know when we think you know when we think choir and visual we think show choir and this the contemporary acapella movement thing is a little bit different um so there's some information on that uh and then the final chapter i think that was all of them the final chapter is um virtual choir creation, um, because that's something that's been huge the last few years and I think is actually going to continue to be a big part of uh, a lot of education, not just contemporary acapella, but, you know, in general. Um, So, you know, thinking about how to make these virtual choirs, but then also using kind of what we've learned over COVID and, and the enhanced uh, need for video production to you know think about okay what do we need to how do we make great videos what goes into a great video um, you know thinking about the the visual aspect of things because uh, it really you know music in general but particularly acapella the visual is such an important component of understanding what's going on seeing the human element and you know seeing what's happening and, and you know it's a, it's a part of of that experience so um, thinking about how to make that and really optimize that experience for. Uh, online and, and digital creation is is really huge. So um, that's kind of, that's sort of a snapshot of what's in the book. And then there's interviews in the book with different um, colleagues of mine in acapella. Um, a great interview in there with Avi Kaplan that was, was really wonderful, um, the founding base of Pentatonix, uh, and also my co-founder of Acapella Academy, co-director of Acapella Academy, uh, and Ben Bram, who's the current arranger for Pentatonics, also works with me at Acapella Academy, co-director, co-founder. Um, so just lots of really great perspective in there. Um, and then there's audio guides for a lot of stuff too, so for the arranging and the vocal percussion and the vocal bass, there's a lot of guides uh, for, you know, just to sort of show you how it's done and, and what it sounds like and, and all that stuff. So so I'm really proud of that resource. I really hope it helps people launch these programs and and take, you know, take those choral programs and, and introduce more contemporary a cappella. Cause again, I just think it's so important to get more people involved and create communities for everybody, but particularly for me for young singers. Cause I just remember how much that meant to me when I was that age, you know, and how important that part of my identity was and that part of my music making and you know how enriching it was to have that community and make those connections with people. So I guess get so excited by this, this renewed interest in acapella, you know, and, and, and this wave that we've come out of with pitch perfect and the sing off and glee and all these things really, um, showing people what this music can be. Um, and I just really am excited to be part of creating even more of that, um, and continuing to, to build that industry. And that's really what the book is all about.
0: Well, I can't wait to dive into it, and I know it's going to be just a fantastic resource for uh, for choir directors. And like you said, being able to to really uh, start building these programs, I think you're going to get to see more and more ensembles as choir directors get more comfortable with the style and they understand more about yeah. the style and how to, um, to to bring these ensembles into existence. We talk, You talked a little bit about um, the Acapella Academy, and that's another yeah. fantastic resource if people want to dive in deeper um, into the world of contemporary acapella. So really briefly, talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, very proud of Acapella Academy. So Acapella Academy is a summer camp that I founded uh, along with Ben Bram and Avi Kaplan. Uh, Our first year, we got founded in 2014. Um, So we're heading into our 10th year, coming coming soon. Um, Yeah, so the Academy is a 10-day experience that we have each year in Los Angeles, uh, end of June, beginning of July. Um, It's an internationally audition program. Um, So we audition kids from all over the world between the ages of 12 and 18. Uh, and we really look for you know, I think like our 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 goal is to take you know the kids that are the stars of their program that are really working hard and want to take things to the next level and bring them all together to really create an experience where they can be pushed by their peers and and in a in a supportive environment where you know we are um trying to bring out the best of what everybody has to offer um which is what i think is so exciting about acapella you know we we try to use acapella music in this program as a way to build really enhanced advanced level musicianship um advanced musicianship you know that that comes with being one on a part that comes with you know advanced you know complicated arrangements that comes with um you know, being being really challenged and and being in an environment where you know it's it's not necessarily always about you know the the beltiest voice or the riffiest voice. It's you know it's about the storytelling and it's about you know f- finding all these different things that that people can do and the people that can beatbox and sing bass and 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 really owning those roles. And um, it's so cool to be able to use this music as a vehicle to you know make great musicians that also come out of this with such a sense of community, um, and, and an understanding of the importance of working with others and, um, We've had people come through this program who incredible singers, you know, go, go on to be pop stars, but who go into those fields now really understanding how to be a good community member and, and, and how to, you know, and how to give back and how to work with other people, um, which is something that really you get so much from acapella. So um, that's really what the camp is all about. It's just it's finding those those bright stars and just helping them giving, you know, giving them the space to be great and really encouraging them to be, you know, community-minded and push themselves. Um, and we love it. We've been doing it for a long time now. Hopefully, you know, we'll do it for 10, 20, 30 more years, but, um, yeah, anybody who's interested in that um, we have a program that we just we did digitally a couple times But we just did in person this last year called grad school, um, which is aimed at music educators so um, Folks who want to come in and shout it basically you shadow the program There's some classes specifically for you, but it's about a three-day program that we run um, where you get to come experience that and um, Yeah, just kind of learn from our staff and and see what's going on and uh, it's really really great for anybody that wants to start a group or kind of get into this community to you know build up those chops and and uh, um, you know, learn learn more about, about what uh, contemporary acapella is. So.
0: Well, and I'll make sure that I get that, uh, that link into the show notes. And uh, before I let you go, tell us uh, a little bit more about where else can we find you and your work online?
1: absolutely so you can find me online at www.robdeetzmusic.com d-i-e-t-z diet with a z robdeetzmusic.com uh, the book is Acapella 101 A Beginner's Guide to Contemporary Acapella Singing available from Hal Leonard uh, it's on Amazon it's on Hal Leonard everywhere the books are sold um, Acapella Academy I just mentioned that website acapellaacademy.org um, and you can find me on all socials at rdeetz d-i-e-t-z 55 rdeetz 55 I like to tweet a lot. I tweet fun things. I'm on Instagram a little bit. I'm on TikTok. I haven't made one yet. Maybe I will. <laughs> if you want to be the first person to see my TikTok, um, join in on TikTok and wait a long time and maybe I'll make a TikTok at some point.
0: <laughs> You're going to have to put some of your acapella choreography on there. That's There what you sure go. Did. Yeah, there there's all sorts of choreography on there. So uh,
1: TikTok scares me. I don't know. I'll fi- maybe <laughs> I'll figure it out one of these days. But I like to I like to tweet snarky stuff more than I like to make videos.
0: You're definitely people. If they're on Twitter, they need to uh, to follow your your Twitter because yeah, <laughs> it's just a hoot. It just makes it just Thank gives me the biggest smile. So well, Rob, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think I already have four different ideas for future episodes. So. Hey, go so i know that uh, we'll be coming back to you to talk about uh, some of these different topics but thank you so much for taking uh time out of your busy schedule to talk with me i know our our audience is gonna love it and we look uh we look forward to uh, talking with you more about the great world of contemporary acapella amazing thanks for having me you bet well, that is it for my conversation with Rob. What a phenomenal and just incredibly talented guy. I can't wait to talk to Rob again about all things contemporary acapella. Now, to find out more about Rob and his different resources and how you might be able to work with him in the future, you can just check out the show notes or you can go directly over to ChoirDirectorCorner.com forward slash Rob Dietz, R-O-B d-i-e-t-z and we will have all the details over there and if you enjoyed this episode make sure you hit subscribe and take a moment leave us a five star rating and review because that will help more choir directors find the podcast and help us in our goal in helping as many choir directors as possible thanks so much for listening to this episode until next time keep being awesome are you looking for resources that will save you time and frustration want to dive deeper into topics related to your teaching then check out the choir director corner community membership over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership